0: And welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I'm going to be talking about Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Meniscalco So this is the author of the Jo The Jocking, the stalking Jack the Ripper series, which I have not read but was intrigued by. But so maybe I'll check it out because I really, really enjoyed this book. It is the first in a trilogy, I believe. The second book is Kingdom of the Cursed, which has been out, is already out. And then the last one is Kingdom of the Feared, which comes out in September. So I liked this book a lot, spoiler alert. And so I think I will be, well, I definitely will be continuing with the series with the second book and then hopefully into the third. Hopefully I will like the second one. I have some concerns, which I'll talk about, but those are more specific to me, not with I think the quality of the book, um, just based on some of my reading preferences Um, but I'm really excited to talk about this book. This is a YA fantasy set in Italy sometime in the past. Um, I'm not really sure when, maybe like, I heard somebody say like 18th century, um, women still are wearing dresses, not pants. So maybe older, maybe this, maybe the 1800s, the 17th century. I don't really know. And basically it is about, um, these two twin sisters and their family, their witches and um, one of them is murdered and then the other one is trying to figure out who murdered her and ends up teaming up with a demon prince sort of he is a demon prince but she only sort of teams up with him I'll explain during the um, plot summary but yeah I was really nervous so I was so excited to read this book because I'd heard some good things about it I'd wanted to read it for like honestly about a year and I finally got a hold of a copy for my brother's birthday, we ended up at Barnes & Noble. My dad surprised us by saying we all got a book. And this is the one I picked out. So, shout out to my parents and also my brother for having a birthday. And so, that's how I got it. But I was nervous to read it because, like you guys, my longtime listeners know, I have been struggling with both YA and specifically YA fantasy recently. So, I was a little nervous to go into this, especially after last week reading Breaking Time which was also a YA book with some fantasy elements, but it wasn't really a fantasy, I don't think. And that book did not work for me. So I was really nervous going into this one, but it ended up, I had so much fun reading it. And I'll tell you more about that later. So before we go any further, I must first issue a spoiler warning. If you do not want Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco to be spoiled, stop here, go read the book. I would absolutely recommend it. And then come back and listen to this episode. I also want to issue a trigger warning. There is a lot of instances of characters in this book cutting themselves so they can have blood for, like, spells and rituals and things like that. So it's not cutting in the traditional sense, but I do want to issue that warning. Also, I don't... I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I would need to warn for. I don't really think so. I mean, it's a fantasy and there's murders. So do with that information as you will. I don't typically i feel like i'm always like oh i don't need to warn for violence and then i do but whatever it's not very gruesome i wouldn't say and so with that let's get into the plot summary so like i said it's set in italy in some time in the past that is not really um defined and basically there's this family it is the two twins vittoria and amelia amelia is our main character they live with their parents and their nona, their grandmother they're Nona and the two of them are witches and they have these um sort of amulets called cornic corna cornicello, cellos or something like that and in the prologue the grandma they're like doing a blessing of them or like something like that and the grandma's like the two of you can never let them touch or be together because th- something bad will happen and then one night when they're eight Victoria takes hers off and hands it to Amelia and there's like this weird thing that happens so they like give it back to her immediately and after that Amelia is able to kind of see like auras around people you forget she can do that because like she'll mention it and then not mention it for like a really long time and then mention it again and like oh yeah she can do that but her and Victoria never talk about it so we don't really know if Victoria got some sort of um power of her own so then flash forward it's like a few months past their 18th birthdays and their family has this restaurant, this Italian restaurant, which is like a traditorium where they make food. And there's all these descriptions of the food that they're making, both like pasta dishes, desserts, meat, things like that. So, which like normally when I read a book, especially like I've read a bunch of like baking books, I just like, it doesn't really get me. Like people are like, oh, I love books or romance novels or whatever, where there's like a baking element or a cooking element. I find, sometimes I enjoy it. Other times, it's not really, like, I can't, like, especially if I haven't had the food before, I'm, like, not, I'm not salivating, as some other people might be, but I did enjoy the descriptions in this one. Anyway, so they have this book, and we have, Victoria's, like, acting kind of shady, and she's, like, been going out, and known as, like, bad things are gonna happen, like, everybody needs to go home, and she is not heeding the advice. Amelia, meanwhile, goes to the monastery because once a month or once a week or something, she goes and makes them a meal. And she sees brother Antonio, who is her age, but recently pledged to be a brother in the church. And she, like, used to have a crush on him. And maybe he's also feeling her, but we're not really sure. So she's there and they're chatting. And then Vittoria shows up and scares them and says that she and Amelia says, what are you doing? She says, I'm going to marry the devil something 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 and she they're not supposed to let other people know they're witches because at this time people did not like witches so they would hunt them down another thing to note is that amelia's family is so there is light and dark magic in this world and their family doesn't practice the dark magic at all so amelia's like what are you doing so they go back home and the next night the grandma's like it's a blood moon or something like that you all need to come home and Amelia, the night before, left um, her basket of good food or something at the monastery. So she's going back to grab it. And when she gets there, she feels this tug, this pull to go somewhere. So she's following it and she finds her sister murdered. She's dressed up in this very fine white dress and her heart has been taken out of her chest. And there's some man standing over her who, who like puts his finger and then licks blood. And so she screams... And then he drops his knife and runs away or something like that. They have a brief sort of conversation. And then her sister's been murdered and we flash forward about a month. The family's been grieving. It's been horrible, obviously. And prior to her sister being murdered, one other girl was murdered in the same way as Vittoria. So it's a pattern. One or actually maybe two other girls were. I can't remember at this point, but it's kind of like a string. Throughout the book, more girls end up getting murdered. So amelia is devastated she has always been kind of the more rule following one so one night she's like in her room she shared a room with her sister and she remembers her sister had this like hiding spot in the floor so she takes up the board she looks and she sees this journal her sister's journal but for some reason she can't open it it's been spelled so she's trying and she also finds two pages to a grimoire that is not her sister's and a gambling token with a frog on it and something else so she goes to her friend claudia's aunt because they do practice the dark arts and her friend claudia does scrying so she can see into the future so she goes to the aunt to talk to her about what this what the different things are and her aunt says you know stay away from this stuff blah 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 but she ends up figuring out that if she wants to open her sister's journal she has to prick like prick herself for some blood Actually, this might happen later, but basically she's able to open the journal and there's nothing very, there's not a lot of information that is useful in it. The other thing that happens is that she decides that she needs revenge and she needs to figure out who killed her sister, you know, as one does. And so she ends up taking the grimoire pages and sees that it is to summon a demon. So her family would, like her grandma would absolutely go nuts if she knew she was going to do this because that includes like blood and bones and things and a summoning circle and all this stuff. But she does it anyways, and she realizes she needs some gold. She uses that knife that that guy dropped, and she ends up summoning a prince from hell, one of the seven demon princes. So there are seven demons: the Malvagi, Malvagi, something like that, and they are the se- they're basically the seven deadly sins. So she summons wrath to make the summoning work. She has to have some sort of phrase, so she and it has to be in Latin. So she uses the phrase like "eternally bound" or something like that, and so he is like. You need to tell me what you did so I can undo it. And she says no. And then he's trying to get her to swear a blood oath to him and swear to his house. Because each of the seven um, princes of hell have a different house. We later find out that Pride is the king. But that doesn't really make sense to me if there's seven princes. But whatever. So she, like, doesn't really trust him. So she says no and leaves. And he's bound there for three days. And after the third day, he goes back to hell basically the demon world or whatever it's called and so she's trying to figure things out she ends up adventuring and she gets she ends up seeing envy and he uses his powers basically when you are in the presence of one of these princes of hell they can influence you with their power so he makes her feel very envious she almost gets attacked by a invisible demon She finds Greed's um, underground casino from her sister's gambling token and talks to Greed. And then right after that, she goes home and she's like confronting her grandma about what's going on. And she takes off her cornucello, and her sister's was taken when she was murdered. And it was apparently it's found its way with a viper, some sort of demon that's basically like a viper snake demon that's protecting it and she's confronting her grandma and her grandma's finally giving her answers and then the invisible demon comes and cuts her grandma's throat and steals her cornicello. we find out that the cornicellos from greed are the two horns of hades and basically those were the two um horns from pride his the king of hell's horns and if Basically, what's been going on, we learned from Pride is that from Wrath is that Pride is trying to marry a witch and that he needs to do that in order to, like, keep the gates of hell closed. Anyway, so her grandma doesn't end up dying, but she ends up going with um, Wrath and he ends up getting out of the circle somehow And she doesn't swear to him, but she keeps having these conversations where she finds out information. She goes after her sister's cornichello after hers is stolen. And she almost dies. She does get it, but the viper, like, pierces her. And so she almost dies. And Wrath ends up saving her, even though he said he wouldn't. Takes her back to his place and does some sort of ritual um, that involved them both being naked in the bath. And he kissed her neck. And then there's some servant there who's, like, saying some stuff. I don't remember what his name was. And he's like, you just need to finish it. Anyways, we're like, oh, what's going on there? So then they're going on this adventure trying to figure out who is murdering these witches, who does not want pride to get married, basically. And Wrath is like, it's not envy. It's not greed. I don't think it's my brother's. And she says, maybe it's witch hunters. And he's like, no. And then also Antonio had been talking about shapeshifters. Her and, um, Rath go to where her sister was murdered to try and see if there was any traces of prior, like, somebody from hell, basically. And they can't find anything, but Antonio stumbles upon them and then tattles to her mom that she was, like, basically with this man. And so that was sus. And then, let's see, they try to... S- Claudia's cousin gets killed. She... Amelia goes to the beach when Wrath is doing something else, and then Lust is there, and basically Lust is making her have so much fun and want these different things, but then when Wrath shows up to save her and banishes, like basically like kills Lust, but not really, he just goes back to the um, demon world for a few weeks, the effect of that comes in, and she feels like no emotions for over two weeks. And she's, like, since left her family because she is afraid of them getting um, attacked, basically. So she's like, don't worry about me, blah, blah, blah. Um, so she's with Rath for a while. And then he's like, do not leave tonight. But she leaves anyways. And that is when Envy shows up and is like, you need to give me both of the cornicellos And if you do not, I have your family. I'm going to kill them all. And then Antonio has, um, Claudia brought her back to her place. So she's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So she goes back to see her family and her grandma is, does some like crazy spell to banish Envy. It's not going to last that long. She goes after her cornicello, She finds it. Wrath comes, Envy comes, and he's got all these demons that are trying to kill her. There's also a vampire earlier on and Wrath like protects her, but dies. And then... She tries to summon him back, but he doesn't come, so she thinks he must be dead. She ends up realizing the shapeshifters are real and finds one of them, who's a character we were introduced to earlier that I forgot to mention. And then she ends up deciding that she is going to marry Pride to put an end to this, but also... Oh, also it's revealed that Antonio was the one killing these girls, but he didn't know what was going on with the hearts. He didn't rip out the hearts, so somebody else was doing that. We can assume it was Envy because for some reason he does not he wants the gates open and he does not want pride to continue to be king um so when she agrees to marry pride wrath shows up so it turns out he wasn't dead but he's a completely different person now i'll talk about this later he like is acting like none of this mattered and so she signs the thing and he takes her to hell and that's the end of the book that was not my best necessarily d- plot summary i mean are any of them good I don't know, you let me know, but um, I tried. There's a lot of plot going on in this, and there's a lot of different things, and I wanted to touch on all of them, but I don't know how well I did, but basically, that's kind of what's going on throughout the book. It was so much fun, so this is one thing, so like I mentioned earlier, prior to this, I read Breaking Time, which if you didn't listen to that episode, I did not like that book. But that episode's really fun because I basically took the premise and then rewrote the story. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. But this, so when I was reading Breaking Time, every time I picked it up, I like didn't want to. So I would stay on my phone later than I was supposed to. I tried to get off my phone an hour before I go to bed, read for that hour before I go to bed, you know, and then get ready and actually go to bed because that's supposed to help you sleep better if you're not on phones and looking at blue light and screens and stuff like that. And I have enough trouble sleeping, so I try to do that. But reading Breaking Time, I was not absorbing anything. So I was so nervous. But every night, I was excited to pick up Kingdom of the Wicked. I actually stayed up late the last night to finish it because I had about 30 pages left when my alarm went off to, you know, go to bed. And I said no. Maybe it was only 20. It was not that much left. I said no, and I stayed up an extra 15, 20 minutes so that I could finish the book. And it was just a lot of fun. So I will say that, like, I've been talking about in a lot of these episodes that YA fantasy has not been working for me recently. Um, Keeper of the Night, no. What, what other YA fantasy did I read? Graceling was fine. Um, not me, not remembering what I read. I guess I read the Six of Crows duology. Um, I prefer the TV show. Me being so controversial right now. I don't know. So there's been some other stuff as well from last year. And even just fantasy in general, like The Divine Inheritance of Orchieta, Divina, or whatever the inheritance of... That book did not work for me either. So... But I still love fantasy. We know that two of my favorite books I've read this year, Spinning Silver, which I had read before, and then A River Enchanted, were fantasies. A River Enchanted is an adult fantasy. Spinning Silver, I'm not... The main characters are probably YA age, but it felt like more mature. I don't know. Anyways, so I've been hesitant to pick up new YA fantasy just because it hasn't been working for me. But this one, check the boxes. I think a lot of it was that it really aligned to some of my personal preferences. I really liked Amelia as a character. Part of this might be because we were, were kind of similar. Um, You know, just inserting myself to be main character. But just kind of like the idea of her personality is similar. And then this is going to get to another part that I'll talk about later of which of the seven deadly sins are you? But basically, there's this running storyline that when Amelia did the um, summoning ritual and she got wrath. Wrath is like, I'm the one that showed up. It wasn't one of the other ones. That is the sinful emotion that is the most intense in you. And so I guess we'll just do that section now. So the seven deadly sins are wrath, pride, greed, envy, lust, gluttony, and sloth. We did not see gluttony or sloth or hear anything about them in this book. But the next one is, um, when she goes to the kingdom of the cursed or the kingdom of the wicked, when she goes to hell, um, so I think we probably will see appearances from them in this next book. But anyways, so I have actually asked this question to my friends before. Um, I said, okay, which of the seven deadly sins are you? And I had my answer ready to go. It was wrath, which is another reason why I relate to Amelia, because if I was summoning one of the seven deadly sins, that's probably the one that would show up for me also. I mean, sometimes I just get mad, okay? I don't know what to say, but sometimes it be happening and the other ones just aren't as strong in me but anyway so I've like asked friends about this before and it's kind of like a fun you don't want to ask people you don't know that well this but for people that you're close with it's kind of fun to see what they would say and also if you could guess it but anyway so which of the seven deadly sins are you let me know I was let me know in the comments as if I'm a youtuber and there's comments I don't know just let me know if you want We can discuss if you also are Wrath or if you are one of the other ones. But I think that's also another reason why I liked her It's just that I, like, like I said, I felt connected to her in that way. I will say, though, that she, in some ways, was naive and in other ways went, like, way over the boundary of what I would be willing to do. Like, I don't really know if my sister was murdered, if I would summon a demon. I'm not a witch. So... I don't know. Maybe if I was a witch, I would feel different. I would try and figure out who murdered my sister, though. So who knows? Maybe I would get desperate in this situation. But yeah, so that was one other note I had is her character development throughout and just her character in general. That's what I wrote here. So this thing is so she starts off as kind of like a green witch. She does her, you know, she dreams of creating new recipes for her family's restaurant and maybe putting some magic into them and whatever, whatever. And she really develops into being quite vengeful, vengeful. I think so. Yes. She's focused on this revenge, but, um, it's just also interesting to see kind of her growth throughout and not necessarily, it's not necessarily all positive growth because there's definitely choices she makes that I disagree with, but that is the nature of a YA fantasy. The main character is always going to do something stupid that you would not personally do. And they do it only for the sake of the plot. So there you go. Um, Let's see. What else should I talk about? I have a lot of notes just about all the general characters. I think we'll do that. And then we'll end the episode with my book two predictions and loose ends from this book. So next, let's talk about Vittoria, her twin sister what is she doing? So I had like heard a little bit about this book and you know on the back it talks about the fact that her sister is murdered so you know her sister is going to get murdered I kind of just thought she was going to be murdered immediately but we actually have Victoria for about 50 pages 60 pages or so so you actually do get a good idea of her personality and she is definitely I would say devil may care except you know the devil did care and somebody came and killed her but basically she is rebellious she likes to have fun And she was definitely keeping a lot of secrets. So Amelia is really trying to piece together what was going on in her sister's life. And I would also like to piece what was going on in her sister's life that she decided she was going to marry the devil and not tell her twin sister about that. You know, Mm. I also it's just very interesting. So. At the end, obviously, Amelia agrees to marry Pride and she signs some sort of document saying she'll do that. Now, if she actually marries him, that's the question of book two. And that's the reason why I feel hesitant because I don't like love triangles. But if it's more of a like she doesn't feel anything for him and. Well, I mean, I I guess I forgot to say in the plot summary that there's kind of not necessarily a relationship between her and Wrath. But there's clearly this idea of feelings are brewing. It's kind of, like, complicated by the fact that she definitely sees him at first as a possible suspect because he was the one standing over her sister's dead body. So, yeah, I would also feel suspicious of this man. He's also everything she's been told is evil for her entire life. So that's also, you know, kind of hard to go against. But um, she does. Okay, also, I forgot to say that, like, the spell that she said to um, summon him was also sort of a marriage spell. So they're betrothed, basically. So I don't know. I think it'll get messy in this next book, especially with how Wrath was acting at the end of this one. But like I said, we'll get into that later. But what was Victoria thinking you're doing? Oh, so I understand why Amelia agreed to marry Pride because she doesn't want all the demons in the world, all the demons to escape hell and literally kill every all the humans and other witches in her family and stuff like that. So, you know, sacrificing for the greater good, like I saw it coming. I'm not going to lie. I saw it coming from about the halfway, maybe even, yeah, like the halfway point that she at the end was going to agree to marry Pride only because they needed a a way to stop it and somebody who wasn't going to get murdered. And that's the obvious answer there. Now, I don't know if she will marry him, but that's, again, skipping ahead to my predictions. But uh, so, Victoria. Victoria. Well, she was into some shady things, like, even prior to her being murdered and agreeing to marry Pride, she was working with greed. She had convinced greed. So, basically, the shapeshifter thing that I briefly mentioned earlier, um, shapeshifters, like, normally are just, like, loyal to the pack. They also haven't shifted in, I don't, like, 20 years or something like that, but Victoria got greed to basically get the shapeshifters to agree to fight for him when the time comes. So that's suspicious. What was going on? She obviously knew too much. I don't really think that's why she was killed. It was explained by Antonio that MV was saying, like, you have to set the devil and to do that you must kill these women and he believed so much in God that he did that. You know, pretty messed up stuff. But I don't know. I also wonder if Victoria's really gone, if that makes any sense. So she's obviously dead. But now we're about to go to hell. And I don't know in this world, are spirits in hell? Is there like a spiritual afterlife? And if there is, is this part of it? Or is this just like where demons live and it's separate from where spirits go? Because I'm curious to see if Victoria pops back up because there was this phrase repeated throughout the book as above so below that was like repeated in multiple times so i don't know i just wonder if she's going to be alive and if she will end up marrying pride even though she's dead is it possible as a spirit for her to marry a demon i don't know um or if she's really dead and gone and other than the fact that amelia is still trying to figure out you know like who was taking these hearts and the fact that she still wants to get revenge the other reason why she agrees to marry pride is she gets an agreement that she can deal with Antonio however she wants. So she's going to torture Antonio. And also she is determined to take down Envy and all these other people that have been doing these bad things and were involved in the murder of her sister. So it's complicated. I think we need to talk about Wrath also. So like I said, there's this romance. It's like a sub -sub subplot and that because it's book one, they do kiss like just a few times but there's nothing like too much too heavy anything like that it's more of a setting the pace I don't know some it's not a romance novel right so the romance can't unfold completely in the one book but it's also I feel like sometimes in fantasy you, it kind of goes two different ways there's like the real slow burn but you're really seeing a lot of the buildup in this first book where it's pretty obvious where it's going or there is um, kind of them getting together kind of immediately in book one and then there just being issues in the rest of the books following that. Love triangles, things like that. So it'll be interesting. This one, it was very light on the romance, but you can obviously tell that she's going to end up with wrath in the end, which is probably the only thing that's going to get me through book two. I hate love triangles. Some of you may know that. Some of you may not. If you haven't listened to some of my other episodes where love triangles are mentioned. But I hate them. And I really hope... I really hope in book two she does not have feelings for pride. Because I'll scream. I also know she's going to end up with wrath. Because at the end... Um, where is it? Okay. At the end of the acknowledgement section she's uh the author writes i hope you're excited for amelia and Rath's next wicked adventure so it could be you know that these are just the two main characters the whole book is from amelia's perspective oh that's another thing the writing this is what i meant to say earlier when i was talking about why i like this book the writing was so good so engaging it is the perfect ya fantasy writing style Um, The first person really drew me in. I liked the narration. I liked her personality in the the writing. I don't know if that makes any sense. But that's another thing that really kept me flipping through the pages is that the writing was great. Um, It was just the exact kind of writing that I need for this. I can't think of the words to describe it. But read the book and you'll understand what I mean, hopefully. But anyway, so this uh, sentence in the acknowledgments about being excited for the two of theirs next adventure... I mean, he's clearly, I think, endgame for her, but we'll just have to see. But with Wrath, so he basically throughout the book says, I'm not going to save you, and then does save her. This happens two or three different times. But the weird thing, so there's some sort of secret. His servant, she overhears him talking to his servant at one point, And no, Envy basically turns her against Wrath near the end by saying, He just needs to collect one more soul and then he's free from his curse, whatever that means. So if he collects her soul, he's free from his curse, which I think means that he can go to the human world whenever he wants and not have to be bound to somebody like he's uh, able to be in the human world during the book because Amelia summoned him and bound him to her. So was he going to double cross her maybe at the beginning, but then got to know her? I don't know. But also something else was that he couldn't lie to her while they were brown, so anything that he didn't tell her was, like, lies by omission, basically. So that's going on, and then, but what really strikes me as odd, it kind of even reminds me how the end of the second Inheritance Games book, The Hawthorne Legacy*, goes. No spoilers on what it is, but one of the brothers kind of has an about-face Pers- like and does the complete 180 opposite of what you would expect him to do based on how he's acted in the first book and the first part of the second book it really didn't make any sense to me and to many others. But the same thing here with Rath. Um, at the end, when he's just emotionalist, like, sh- let her think he was dead. I don't know. Something else has to be going on. I don't know what. Could he be being blackmailed? Could, when he is murdered, does he lose his emotions he's gained from previous things or forget memories I don't know so that is kind of a question we're gonna have to see going on in book two but I think he's putting on an act I don't think this is real I don't really know I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see some other predictions for book two I've already talked about this love triangle nonsense I hate it I hope it's not there even though it will be. I hope she doesn't marry him because that's just really complicated because she's obviously meant to be with Wrath, which is also complicated by the fact that she's kind of betrothed to him based on her magic. So, not sure. Not sure how that's going to work at all. We also, in the prologue, there is a prophecy that says... There are seven demon princes, but only four Carlos, which is the family last name should fear. Wrath, greed, envy, and pride. One will crave your blood. One will capture your heart. One will steal your soul. And one will take your life. So if we're kind of going off of what's happened so far in the book, the one that steals her soul must be pride because she signs her soul away. The one who captures her heart has to be wrath, right? One will take your life. Envy was the one that caused Victoria's death. So the one that craves your blood is greed? I don't know. I think that will all be cleared up by the end of the last book, but it's kind of unclear. So we don't know what's going to go on there. We don't know what the underworld's going to look like. There's going to be a whole new set of world-building and partially a new set of characters as well. Um, but the loose ends is who was doing the who was stealing the hearts? Can, is it envy or is somebody else involved? Is she going to marry him? What's going on? Why are these people doing it? Stuff like that. So there are a lot of loose ends. Not necessarily, they won't all necessarily be tied up in the second book since there's going to be three, but we will get some answers in this next book. And finally, I just want to say that I also enjoy the secondary characters of Nona and her parents and some of the other friends. It was interesting because I really feel like this book had one central character, Amelia with wrath as a secondary primary character but he doesn't really show up for the first like good chunk of the book and then is she amelia does a lot of things just on her own and gets built out by wrath or meets up with wrath later on so she really is the primary character so i don't think the book will suffer from her being in hell and her family not being around um based on just the fact that she we we were attached to them but we weren't as attached as we could be Finally, I must talk about the cover. I listened to the beginning of a podcast about this episode, but then decided not to finish it for whatever reason. And they were saying, like, if the cover doesn't convince you to read this book, nothing will. Bro, this cover's scary looking. There's a skull and out of the skull is a snake um, with fangs. There are some flowers, uh, which I like. And there's gold, which I also really like in the little tree, like things on the side but it's kind of a creepy looking cover so I don't know they were like it's so beautiful I mean if you really like dark things I guess it's beautiful in a dark creepy way but this is not what I would necessarily call a beautiful book cover but it was a beautiful book so how fun was that so I'm really excited for the next book I'm hoping to get it for my birthday which is as I'm recording only a few days away but we'll see. Uh, I'll most likely just end up having to get it myself because it was a last minute addition to my list. Anyways, so please follow me on Instagram at I Read a book Once blog. While you're there, you can DM me uh, your thoughts, feelings, opinions, concerns, questions on this book, episode, and podcast. I would love to chat and hear your thoughts. And also, if you want to tell me which of the seven deadly sins you most relate to, we can chat about that. If you don't like Instagram, you can email me at I read a book once blog at gmail.com. And also, please, please, please rate, review and subscribe to my podcast. It helps other people find it. It will make me happy to see more ratings and reviews. And if you review, I will shout you out. And it would definitely mean the world to me. Next week, I will be talking about when we were briefly bright and beautiful by... Jillian Madoff maybe? I don't know. I don't have the book in front of me so I definitely could have the author wrong on that. It was my August book of the month pick. I'll tell you more about kind of what was going on with all of that but I think it's literary fiction and it is revolving the story. So the main character is the sister of a young man accused of rape and how he is rich and white and privileged And how his family is trying to fight the case, saying that he's innocent. So we will see how it ends and what's going on. I was a little hesitant because of the content, but the writing's really good. I'm about 120 pages in. So we'll see how it ends. And with that, my name is Emma. This was I Read Book Once. And I'll catch you guys next time.